ready to get in the Word of God? Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. It said, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Notice verse 15. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Again, this is the most important question that every one of you will have to answer in your life. And it will determine your eternity. And then in verse 16, Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus responded, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, on this understanding, on this statement that you have made, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not defeat it. Hmm. Here's the first thing that I want to say about the text that we just read. First and foremost, you need to understand the whole church thing is a God idea. A preacher didn't come up with that. A human being didn't come up with that. The church thing is a God idea. Church was not to make your life miserable. It was to make your life better. The second thing I want you to notice is that Jesus declares an amazing promise here. He says that the church that I'm building, hell has no ability to overpower it. What is hell? Hell is that which comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. The Bible says very clear that Satan himself comes into our lives to steal and to kill and to destroy. If it's bad, it's of the devil. If it's good, it's of God. People say, I don't know why God sent that tornado. He didn't. God has no tornadoes. He has no earthquakes. The, bad, the Bible says in James, every good and perfect gift comes from the, from the Father of lights, comes from heaven. If it's bad, it originates in hell. Hell's got this world all messed up. Are you with me? Should have got a bigger amen than that. Maybe I should go a little further. A cancer, God did not give you cancer to teach you something. Cancer is from hell. Sickness is from hell. Poverty is from hell. Lack is from hell. Depression is from hell. Oppression, if it's bad, it's from the devil. And if it's good, it's from God. Right? But according to Jesus, all of hell is rendered completely powerless in the face of the church. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your goodness. Thank you for your word. I pray, God, that we in this moment, whether in this building or online, would give us a laser-like focus to receive all that you would have us to receive. God, give me the ability, God, to speak as a mouthpiece of God in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. This is week three 
of our series entitled, Hell No, Hell No. Um, I just got to be really upfront with you today. Um, I'm going to basically be repeating myself of what I said last week. I feel like there's some undone business, and uh, I'm not quite sure uh, that you got it last week. Um, and I felt like God has led and direct, directed me to go back through some stuff in review. In fact, the early days of this church, a lot of the messages would all be review because that's how we learn. That's the reason why if you read the epistles and the Bible, the books of the Bible, uh, Paul will start out many times and say, I, I, I'm going to say this again. I'm going to remind you. I'm going to remind you. So to think that we got it last week, so first of all, some of you weren't even here last week. Some of you were sleeping last week, right? So, so, so and, and we hear, did you, this is, the, this is the most encouraging thing for any preacher. Did, did you know that they say that, that, that like one hour after you leave here today, you'll forget 90% of what I say? Is that the most discouraging thing on the face of their, especially for a preacher? So I'm going to work back through some things because I really believe that it is of the utmost importance for this church to hear what, what God wants us to hear so that we can, we can move forward into the things that God has for us. I believe this is more than a sermonette. I believe it is the marching orders from heaven that can help us to navigate to the next step, the next place in our lives. And let me be very clear. I'm not using this title to be cute, to be creative. I'm not using this title for a shock factor. The reason why we've titled this series of messages, Hell No, is I'm trying to grab people's attention and awaken them to the Bible reality and the invitation to stop the hell in their life, to stop the fear and the anxiety in their life, to stop the depression and discouragement and the sickness and the disease and the poverty and the lack and the misfortunes and the disaster. I'm trying to awaken you that, 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 that the hell can stop in your, your, your life. The passion point, again, behind this whole series is to establish the Bible truth the, the, the truth of God's Word, that the church is the most essential thing on the face of the earth. In fact, the, the church is the only thing that God has ever guaranteed to succeed. We live in a time where the culture is trying to seduce people into thinking that the church really isn't even essential or even necessary. And I can understand the world thinking that, but what I'm amazed with is how many church-going people have bought in to that lie and are okay with the church not being essential. So I've come to shout it loud and clear once again. Woo! Whether you agree or not, I've got the mic. I'm here to say it. The church is essential. And, and the church is the only thing that God is committed to building, and it's the only thing that hell has no power over. No wonder why the devil doesn't want the church to be essential. Now, I think the real problem, even with us as believers, is that most of us really don't understand 
what the church is. Because for most of us, um, hell's not being stopped in our lives. Let's just be honest, right? God, God made a promise. So, so he, he's got to be right and us wrong, right? So if hell's still overpowering our lives and overpowering our, our, our resources and overpower, overpowering our families, then, then there's an issue. There, there's a problem. We, we must not understand what we need to understand. I, I think the problem, the disconnect with the church is, is, is maybe perhaps we really don't understand what the church is. So we're going to go back through it today because I'm here to tell somebody that the American structure church can't stop hell. The, the religious church can't stop hell. The legalistic church the rural church, the ones that have all the, they, they can't stop church. The traditional church isn't stopping hell. The complacent church absolutely isn't stopping hell. The convenient church is not stopping hell. The social church, woo! Huh? How, how about the hour on Sunday church? Is that stopping hell? Hmm. How about the podcast church? Is that stopping any hell? How about that church on demand video kind of stuff? I wonder if that's stopping any hell. No, hell is only stopped by the church Jesus is building. My assignment is to make sure you understand what Jesus calls the church. So let's go back through it one more time. It's obvious we need to understand the, 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 the definition because this has great importance in our life. The Greek word for church is ekklesia. In its most simplest definition, just simply means the family of God. So it's not a steeple. It's not a building. The church is, in its, its most basic understanding, it is the family of God. First Timothy 3.15, it says this, that the family is the church of the living God. You see, church is not a place you go to. It's not an event you attend. It's a spiritual family that you belong to. So technically today, we, we didn't go to church. No, the church actually has gathered for a worship service. That's what we're doing. See, see technically, and we, I know we can use those interchangeably, but, but we are the church, and we technically are gathering in this moment, because God tells us to do that, we're gathering for a worship moment, to worship our God. We're actually being the church right now. Now, now, that basic definition is absolutely essential, but unless you go deeper into the definition of what ecclesia really means, you will, really will not understand what the church is. So in the last couple of weeks, and I want to say it again, we need to go deeper in this definition because the word ecclesia not just means generically the family of God, but it literally means a deeper understanding. It has two aspects. It means the called out, and the called together. The called out and the called together. So, so a proper definition of the church would be God's family, God's family that has been called out and called together. That's what Jesus is building, and that's what hell has no answer for. The family of God that's called out and the family of God that's called together, that church will stop hell. Are you with me? Let me show you this in scriptures and, and, and because, because, because I, I want to make sure if you're going to fight with me, you're going to have to fight with the word. 
So, so, so let me show you this definition at work in the Bible. In 1 Peter 2.9, it says, but you are his chosen people. Hello. You are a holy nation, people who belong to God. He, that he's talking about the church there. He called you out of darkness, of sin, and into his marvelous light. Somebody ought to shout right there. Somebody ought to get excited. Has anybody been called out of some bondage? Has anybody been called out of some darkness? And we've been called into the marvelous lie. We've been called into freedom. Come on, we've been called into deliverance. We've been called into righteousness. We ought to, got to get excited because that's what the church is all about, being called out of darkness and into marvelous light. So we are the called out ones, right? Well, in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, we get the definition called together of the church. Notice it says you are members of God's family. Hello, church. Together, not independently, together we are his house. We are carefully joined together in him. We could, we could preach that all day long because everybody has a piece to play in it. Everybody is a different part of the body, and it's all needed to make up the church or to make up the body of Christ. We're joined, and so God is joining us all. To, when he gets us all fitted together, hell can't stop us. Hell can't mess with us. It says, join together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord, and in him you two are being built together, 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 because the church is about being together. Together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God says, I'll live where they come together. 1 Corinthians, this is a brand new verse. We didn't, we didn't get some new material right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. It says, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, the church. Regardless of our background, hello, we are all received by God's spirit. So the body, the church, is not made up of just one member. No, it's all the members, all the members all the members doing their own thing, living their own life. No, all the members connected together. So you are not the church all by yourself. You are not the family of God all by yourself. It's only as you are connected together that you are God's church. In the study, it's been just a, just a wonderful study for me to go back through Genesis to Revelation. And I'll spend hours upon hours when I'm in a series like this. And I found out that there are over 67 metaphors used for the word church throughout the Bible. 67 metaphors. My favorite is flock. One of the metaphors used in the Bible is flock. In other words, a flock of animals, a flock of sheep. And we get that picture throughout the Bible, that, that, G, that God is our shepherd, Jesus is our shepherd, and we are the flock together. So, 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 the, so, so for you to be a part of the church, you've got to be flocked together. If you're de-flocked, then you're on your own. You're no longer a part of the flock. And that's what happens to so many people. Because if you separate, you're not part of the, you're not part of the flock. Now you become what? You become prey and food for the enemy. That's the reason why so many people get taken out. Why? Because they don't understand the concept of the church. You gotta be, you gotta be part of the flock. You gotta be together. This what we're doing is so important. Because if you're not doing this together thing, you de-flock and now you become food 
<laughs> you, become, you become easy prey for the predator to take you out. Oh, you're not hearing me. This is safety right here. This is protection right here. Us coming together in this moment to worship our God is protecting our lives. It's protecting your families. Hmm. But when you deflock, you become prey to the see, 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 a lion and a bear came after David's flock of sheep, but they couldn't take his sheep. Why? Because the shepherd was taking care of the flock. As long as they were the flock, David could take care of the bear and David could take care of the lion. I'm just here. As long as you're part of the flock, Jesus Almighty will take care of the bear. He'll take care of the lions in your life. But when you deflock, you become independent and you no longer become the church. And you can't stop nothing. It's the church that stops hell. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail over it. That's all free of charge right there. Not even in my notes. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple, the church of God, and that the Spirit of God lives in you. Now, God is very clear, and we talked about this this last week. God is very clear. I need to say this again. The, the whole reason why we're called together, there's a reason why God has called us together. He's not trying to... He's not trying to uh, make your life miserable. There's a mission and an assignment for the church. There's a reason why we have been called together, and we see that in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom, his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. So God's plan for us coming together is to, is to utilize us to reveal Jesus to a lost and dying world world. That's why he has called us together. It is God's plan. It's not just God's plan. It is absolutely his eternal plan that we come together to be on mission, to share the love of Jesus to a lost and dying world. The message translation even makes it more clear in that same verse. Through followers of Jesus like yourselves, gathered, gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known. So we've been called together to help build what Jesus is building, according to this, to carry out God's eternal plan here on earth, to call others out of darkness and into the family of God. I guess you could probably say it like this. We have been called together to grow the family business. We've been called together to grow the family of God. Everything you do in life, I don't care if it's your occupation, I don't care if it's your business, I don't care if it's your marriage, your family, all of that indirectly needs to be helping, are you with me, or directly needs to be helping to build the family of God. Your sphere of influence, your resources, your time, your energy. At the end of the day, that business is to win people to Jesus. That money you have is to win people to Jesus. That smile you have is to win people. That marriage that God gave you is to win people to Jesus. It all is to win people to Jesus. So for the church to be the church, are you still with me? So for the church to be the church, it means that you are called out. You are called out. And this is done the moment 
that you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. When you confess him as your Lord, the Bible's very clear that you are called out of that darkness, out of that sin, out of that unrighteousness, and you become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is God's part of the church. But listen, the second thing that the church means is that you are called together, called into community, called into God's family. To what? To help build the church. Now, I, I, here, here's the disconnect. I, I know I'm teaching the same thing, but, but we're getting it this time. The, the disconnect is I think we all get the called out thing. In fact, I think we're all excited about the called out thing. Woo! Got called out of bondage. Got called out of sickness and disease. Got called out of sin. That, that's some exciting stuff. And I got called in to the glorious light. But the problem is you did nothing to even get that. That's all God's part. Called you out of darkness and called you into light. The reason why that can even happen is because Jesus died upon a cross for you. But that definition in and of itself is, 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 is not the complete definition of the church. And I think we like that definition, but are we doing the second part of that definition? The Bible says that we are called together. We're called together in God's family. I'm not sure that most believers understand why they have been called together, why they've been called. To, they, that's the disconnect. Why? You know why it's a disconnect? Because it takes responsibility. It takes commitment for the church to be the church. But if we're not called out and called together, then we're not what Jesus is building. And then as church-going people, we get frustrated with our American church. We get frustrated with our social church. We get frustrated with our complacent church. Why, why aren't we seeing healing? Why aren't we seeing deliverance? Why aren't we seeing breakthroughs? Because God has not promised to bless that kind of church. He says, there's one church I'm building, and hell knows nothing, knows nothing what to do with it. And that church is my family that have been called out, but not just called out, called together into a family business of calling others out of darkness and growing the family. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap and praise right there. How many of you just give me a few more minutes here? I'm not even, take, thank you, sir. Who was that? Take it there. Yes, yes. Thank you. Let me give you five things. I'm not going to teach them. I'm just giving them to you so you can take them home and learn this week. Let me give you five things that we are called to do together so that you understand, okay, I, I think I'm understanding. I need to do a together thing. There are five things that actually Jesus commands the church to do together. These five things are actually explained in the book of Ephesians. I could do a whole series on just this part that I'm getting ready to give you. But these five things were actually modeled in the New Testament church, and I want you to look at them in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. It says, those who believe were baptized and added. This, this is a description of the very first church, the early church. It says, those who believe were baptized and added to the church they joined with other believers in regular attendance and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to prayer. They worshiped together. Notice all the together. They're joined together. They connected together. And they're actually doing five different things together. 
So, so they joined with other believers. They, they, were, they, they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to prayer. They worshiped together regularly at the temple courts and met in small groups. So they met in big buildings, and then they met in small buildings, small groups in homes for communion, and shared meals with joy and thankfulness. My purpose is not to teach this. My purpose is to give you an outline so you can go learn it. Let me give you quickly the five things that the church is called to do together. It's actually commanded by Jesus. Number one, we come together for worship. We come together for worship. You can see it there. They worship together regularly. What is worship? Worship is not just singing a song. Worship is expressing your love to God. When we come together, we truly didn't worship if we're not expressing our love to God. You express your love to God through worship or through singing. You express your love to God through praying. So all those things that you even see them doing, you express your love to God through bringing your tithe and your offering. That that's why it's worship. So the first thing that we do together is for worship. Number two, the second thing that, that the church is commanded to do together is for discipleship. It, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. God's not looking for just converts, people that just pray a prayer. He wants you to be discipled in his word. He wants you to be mature and to grow in the word of God. Do you know what's happening right now? We're growing. Some of you are getting angry and mad, and upset, but you're actually, if you listen, you'll grow in the word of God. And God, what we're doing right now is what the church is supposed to be doing, that we're together growing in the understanding of God's word. That's the reason why God says, I'll give you shepherds, I'll give you pastors, I'll give you ministers who will feed the, there's that flock thing again, the, the flock, the flock. I'll feed the ones that are coming together. And you know what God will do? He'll give, he'll give you pastors that spend their whole week praying on their knees and seeking God. God, what is the word? And they'll study and they'll study and they'll study and they'll study and they'll pray and they'll pray and they'll pray. And they can't wait to get here on a Sunday to release the food so that the flock can eat. How much do we miss when we're not together with the flock? Especially if you have a man of God or a woman of God that's spending their life going, God, we're saying, God, what do you want me to tell them? What do you want me to teach them? God, how can I help them? Our job, mine my wife's job, is to feed the flock, is to pastor and to care for the people of this local church. And we will give account with it before God one day. We take this absolutely serious. That's the reason why when you're not here, I'm looking for you. Where are you at? I'm hoping you're on the other side of this camera. Why? Because we're feeding the flock and we're growing together. Woo. The third thing that we do together is for service. Notice they shared their meals. This is outreach. This is helping other people, ministering to the needs of others. Here's number four. Together, we come together for fellowship. Now, I don't think we have a problem with this one too much, fellowship. In other words, they did life together. They helped. They, they, they enjoyed life together. They had fun. How many of you know God wants you to have fun? He don't want you to look like a prune. No, he wants Listen, the church should be the funnest place on the face of the earth. We should know how to have fun because we don't have to drink to have fun. We don't have to have a hangover to have fun. Come on, you need to learn how to have fun. Some of you need to learn how to smile. You know why some of you are grouchy? Because you're not part of the church. You joined the American church. You joined the illegalistic church. 
the church of rules. Come on, let's start having fun. Together, we're supposed to have fun. Together, we're supposed to enjoy life. Come on. Cheers, everybody. Let, let me, I'm not teaching. I could teach all of this, but let me give you the fifth one. We need to do a series on this. For evangelism. It says those who believe were added to the church for evangelism. In other words, on mission, calling them out of darkness. Calling them out of darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus. So for the church to be, hear this, for the church to be the church, together we are committed to five specific things. Hear me today online. Don't, don't, don't click off. Come on in this building. Don't you run out yet. Don't you fall asleep. Don't you drift off in your imagination. If your life is not about these five things, then you're not being the church. If you neglect these five things, you're not being the church. Well, I know that's tough. I know that's, that's difficult. And if you'll stay to the end of this message, I'll be vulnerable and I'll explain some things to you. But, but the truth of the matter is we need to own that because this will deal with the frustration that's in our life because perhaps maybe that's how hell is getting into my life and my family and my home because I'm neglecting the very thing that God is calling me together to be, for the church to be the church. You can't neglect those five things. That's the reason why in Hebrews 10.25, this is a verse none of you have on your refrigerators. None of you put this on your mirrors. But actually, in other translation, God tells his priests, his ministers, to warn the people that they're pastoring, to warn them about this. Why? He says in Hebrews 10, 25, because, because we're neglecting the togethering thing, and it's costing the church. He says this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. When's the last time you walked into somebody's home and seen that on a refrigerator? You're not confessing and declaring that verse every day. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. Now, he didn't say miss a service. So we're not going to get into that rule thing and that religious thing. He's not talking about you going. He's not talking about you can't go on vacation. You've got to be there every day. He's, he's, he's talking about neglect. That's different than missing here and there. You know what it means to neglect? It just means that you don't prioritize it. It's not important to you. How do you know whether this meeting is important to you? You had plans to be here a year ago. You didn't wake up on Sunday and say, well, should I go to church? No. You prioritize your life. As long as I'm in town, I'm in church. I'm in that gathering, right? My, my kids, we never got up. My kids, I can never remember them as a dad. Are we going to church? Why? Because my kids knew. We go to, we go to church. Get your butt in the car. We go to church. That's what, that's what this family does. We, we go to gatherings. We're, we're not, it's a priority. And we'd have to tell them, hey, guess what? We're going to Disneyland instead of church today. That's exciting stuff, right? We, we miss, but we didn't neg neglect. Oh, you didn't hear me. I said we miss, but it was a top priority. Come on, I'm trying to help somebody. He says, he says don't neglect it as some have formed the habit of doing. Hello, COVID. Man, I got, I, got, I got the tingles on that one. <laughs> Hair stood up on the back of my, whoo. In fact, we should come together even more. Who's preaching that message? 
Who's preaching that? We ought to do this more. And I just hear something, oh, dear God, I'm already wore out as it is. It's because you go to a religious church. It's because you go to a legalistic church. Oh, you might be here, but you're still legalistic and you're still religious in your mind and you're not participating in what God says is the church. Mm-mm. Eager to encourage and urge each other, other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. Can I, other translation says, as, 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 as the day of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can, can I tell you, before I lose you, Jesus is coming back. He's going to come back. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to catch away his church. Are you prepared? Are you ready for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? He says the way you get prepared, he says, is, 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 to, is to gather, is to not neglect. And the day, as that day is getting closer, and we know it's a lot closer than it was some 2,000 years ago. So we ought to, they gathered every day. He says, you need to gather more. It's when we start neglecting what we're, oh, you need to hear this statement. Worship team, come back. How many of you just give me some, just a couple more moments? I, I've, got, I've got some things to share here. But it's when we start neglecting what we are to be building that we give opportunity for hell to have power in our lives. I don't know if you heard that. Would you hear it again, please, online? Powerful, powerful statement. When we start neglecting, what does it mean to neglect? It's not important to me. It's not a priority in my life. When we start neglecting what we were called to build, then we give opportunity for hell to have power in our life. Think about it. If Satan was, if Satan wanted to destroy your life, if you really did believe in the devil, let's just say, if, it, if there really was, because I don't even know the modern church believes in the devil. If there was really a devil and he really was stealing, killing to destroy your life, what, what would he be doing to get that hell into people's lives? What would be his target knowing that he knows the Bible more than you do? He studied this thing from the beginning to the end. He's had thousands upon years to study how this thing works. What would the devil do to get hell in your life? It's absolutely very clear based upon the truth that I'm preaching. All he has to do is get God's people deceived about what the church really is. That's all he has to do. Just get you deceived. Just get you with the wrong understanding that church is just what I do on an hour every Sunday. When the church is the church, the church is unstoppable. I want to take you on just a little journey right here. We've still got time for this. But did you know that the, that the church, the church, in order for the church to be birthed, it had to come together? In order for the church even to be birthed, it had to come together. When Je- let me just take you on the journey here. When, when Jesus died upon the cross, was put in the grave, was resurrected three days later, 
Did you know he didn't immediately go to heaven? The Bible's very clear that Jesus, for 40 days, appeared to people. In fact, in Corinthians, it's very clear that he appeared in his resurrected body to over 500 people. He's just having fun in a resurrected body. He's, he's appearing here, and he's appearing there, and he's showing up here for 40 days. He's just appearing. And do you know what his primary message to all these 500 people? He says, he says this. He said to 500 people, the message that he gave them, he says, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to gather together to receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. For 40 days, for 40 days, go to Jerusalem. I want you to wait there. Don't you go, don't you go anywhere else until you receive the baptism or the promise of the Holy Spirit, which was the power of God that would come upon them to initiate the birth of the New Testament church. And you know what happened? 120 showed up in a 10-day prayer meeting to do what Jesus was telling them to do. I have no idea where the other 380 were. Maybe they were busy. Maybe they had to work. Maybe they were tired. Maybe they thought the service would go too long. Maybe it wasn't at 11 o'clock. A hundred and twenty showed up out of the five hundred that he said, "Go to Jerusalem and wait until you be in due. I'm going to birth the church." And you know what? God didn't get mad with those that didn't show up. He just used the ones that showed up. You know what God told me in this pandemic? You know what God told me in this pandemic? He said, "Run with the runners and drink with the drinkers." Oh, you don't know nothing about that. You remember when Gideon? Gideon had all 32,000 people. And God says, that's way too many. I want you to take them down to the pond. And those that drink, those are the ones you're going to, those are one you're going to do life with. Not the complacent, not the casual. I'm going to have you do life with the drinkers. And I'm going to have you do life with the runners. I'm here to tell you, come on, we're, we're going to run. And we're going to drink. And we're going to do what God says to do. Hundred and twenty gathered. I wonder what happened. I wonder what happened with those hundred and twenty that gathered together. Does anybody want to know what happened? I'll read it to you. Acts chapter two. On the day of Pentecost, it's fully fulfilled. All the disciples, all the hundred and twenty, were gathered together in one place. And suddenly, they heard they heard the sound of a blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Man, give me some of that. Come on, church, let's have some of that. Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in languages they never learned. That's a whole nother message. 120 got together and it changed their life 
and it initiated the church of the Lord Jesus Christ filled with the Holy Spirit. What's crazy is this was the birth of the church. This was the birth of the church, but did you know the whole rest of the book of Acts? The whole book of Acts is just the account of the church being the church. If you really want to learn what I'm teaching, go read the book of Acts because it is actually just the church being the church. It is actually a diary of this church that started with 120 in an upper room gathered together. It's just a diary how 120 left, left an upper room and became the church, and it's just a diary of the gathering together of the church and how God empowered it and used it mightily to stop hell in their life. Did you know it was said of that early church in the book of Acts that they turned their world upside down? Did, did you know that in less than 20 years, that early church evangelized the whole known world because they were so on mission, being and building what Jesus was building. You remember it started in Acts chapter 2 where, where 3,000 people got saved. Peter comes out of the upper room. He's drunker than a skunk by the Holy Spirit. I know some of you don't like that, but he's, a, he, he's just flying high. And he looks at all these people that are confused out there. So he starts to preach. This is the same Peter that Jesus looked at and said, Hey, Peter, who do you say I am? Oh, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. Peter stood up and began to tell them about the love of Jesus and how Jesus died upon a cross for their sins. And then he begins to teach them and tell them about what just happened in the upper room and how God was initiating the birth of the church and that God, God wanted them to be a part of the church. And he gives an altar call and some 3,000 people get saved in that. Where is that church? Where is that church? 3,000 people get saved. That's all there in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. Then in Acts chapter 3, we read about a lame man being healed. A man that was over the age of 40, had never walked in his life. And here we have Peter again. God is building this church. And Peter and John, guess where they were going? They were going to the temple to gather together to worship God. And on their way there, he walks past a man, a man that cried out, please, please help me. Peter looks at him and he says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. And he grabs the man's hand and the man jumps to his feet, never walked for 40 years, never walked in his life. And he jumps to his feet, leaping, dancing, and praising. Come on. Come on, are you still with me? This is a together church being the church, stopping Hell, you know what happened? Hell was stopped that, that day. And then in Acts chapter 3, we, we continue to read, or Acts chapter 4, we continue to read how 5,000 men alone were saved. L let me do this. This is important. 5,000, in other words, they started talking about this man who's never walked for 40 years. All of a sudden, they see the miracle. So you know what happens? Peter starts preaching again. <laughs> Peter says, you, you see that man? That, real quiet, guys, real quiet on the base. Real, he says, right here, 
He says, that's the kind of God we serve. We serve a God of miracles. And he started preaching Jesus to them. And he says, this same God that's done miracle for this man can do a miracle in your life, can do a miracle in your home, can do a miracle in your children. And he preaches a message and some 5,000 men. That doesn't include the women and children. Perhaps there could have been 15,000 people that day that got saved. Why? Because the church was being the church. And the church was stopping the hell in their lives. You know what happened after that? Well, the devil always gets mad. Apostles are thrown into prison. Peter is thrown into prison. Some of the other disciples are thrown into prison. You, you know what the governmental rule of their day told them to, to do? Uh, we're stopping all this church stuff. No more of this church stuff. Why? Because it was turning their world upside down. It was messing with, it was messing with their community. So they take the Peters and they take the church and they throw as many of them into prison and then they threaten them. They said, don't you, don't you, don't you preach anymore. Don't, don't you sing anymore. Uh, don't you dare gather anymore. This church stuff, this is, this is not essential. We're going to shut it all down. And the early church's response to those threats is we're sorry that you feel that way. Whether it's right to obey you or God, you can judge. But as for us, we're going to keep being the church. We're, we're going to obey God. And as you, so you know what they did? You've got to hear this. You know what they did? They let him out of, out of prison. You know what they immediately do? They, 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 they gather together again. They gather to worship. They gather to pray. And guess what happens? God shows up again, and God shakes the place where they're at again. Oh, my goodness. I think we need some shaking going on. Come on. I believe God's going to shake some things up again. And that church, you can go read it in Acts chapter 4. That church becomes so powerful, so unified, so bold, great miracles. The Bible said even of that church, they didn't even lack anything had no lack in their life. And once again, because of their stand that the church is the most essential thing on the face of the earth, because of that stand, once again, hell was being stopped. Here's my last verse. I, we could go through the whole book of Acts. That's what you should do. Seeing how the church stopped the hell in their life. In Acts chapter 5, it just gives us a summary what had happened into those four or five chapters of just the church coming together to be the church. Verse 14, more and more. I like that. I believe God is doing that for us today. I speak that into somebody's life today, more and more, not less and less. I, I declare over that marriage today, more and more. I declare over your family and over your children, more and more. I declare over your finances today, Come on, if you'll get into this moment, I believe there's miracles available right now. Just right, in the, right online. Just lock into this moment as I, as I land this plane, as we bring this to a close. More. Come on. The church is going to experience the more and more of God. I'm going to say it again. The church is going to celebration. We're getting ready to experience the more and more of God. More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to the group of believers. Why? Because the early church was being the church, and that church was stopping the hell in their life. 
Verse 15 says, as Peter was passing by, the people brought their sick into the streets. They put their sick on beds and mats so at least Peter's shadow might fall on them. What? We read that and act like that's a fairy tale. This actually happened in the early church that not only their being was a conduit of God's power, but their very shadow. People said, if I could just find the shadow of that guy that's building the church, my baby will be healed. My baby will be delivered. My marriage will be fixed. My finances will be fixed. I'm calling the shadow of the church to stand again. Woo! Well, why don't you stand? You can take this last part. We're not closing it. Just stand to your feet. Can, can you believe that? We read that stuff like, well, that happened then, and it can't happen now. Who said so? What Bible are you reading? What devil are you listening to? We're supposed to be the same church that was birthed in power, the same church today. Come on, operating with the signs and the wonders and the miracles. i got to read it again. Some of you, you don't believe what I read. As Peter was passing by, the people brought their sick into the streets. They put their sick on beds and mats so at least Peter's shadow might fall on them. What would happen if the church would start being the church? That even our shadow would start changing. If, if this church, if we really had the power of God, you know what would happen? This whole community, they would lay the sick on the sidewalks if they couldn't get them in this building. You're talking about evangelizing a whole known world in less than 20 years? That's how they did it. God always used the supernatural to catch people's attention, to bring them out of the darkness and into the, 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 the light. God, let the shadow of the church be powerful again. God, let the shadow of the church be powerful again. Oh, God, let the church be powerful again. I haven't come with a sermon. I've come with a heartbeat today to tell you the most essential thing that you could ever be a part of is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've just come to tell somebody that hell does not know what to do with the real church. Because when the church is the church, it's absolutely unstoppable. I didn't read the last verse. We might as well read it. Verse 16. Crowds came from all the towns around Jerusalem. And they brought their sick and those who were bothered by evil spirits. Because a lot of times the sickness is a direct result of an evil spirit influence. Some of you, you don't need a healing. You need a deliverance. You need to kick the devil out of your life. You need to kick his lies. You need to kick his influence. You need to kick out the delusion that he sold you about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need, you need to come in line with what the church is all about. And you'll find that there's power. You'll find that there's healing. You'll find that there's, there's deliverance. And notice, and every one of them was, was healed. What? Every one of them? Oh, Jesus. I'm a little passionate because I got an email the other day. Are you okay? 
Okay, some of you woke up, oh, he got an email. Oh, God, dear God, what did this say, you know? And I was reading through, and it was our churches over in the Philippines. We've got like 50-something of them. Actually, it's a lot more than that. In the COVID thing, they've actually been growing supernaturally. They, they, he says, we're having a tough time keeping the social distancing because just hundreds and, and hundreds of people are being born again and saved, and healings are happening, and, and, and they're, they're just, it's just an amazing thing. I don't know if you guys have those pictures of those, those water baptisms that they just did, um, but I was reading this email, and if you do, you could just throw it up. I was reading this email, and I was, I was going through it, and Pastor Alex, which is the man I work with through there, he started telling me about all the gatherings they were having and how they were gathering their leaders and their, 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 their pastors. And they were gathering them in the building, in the place. It's not really a building. It just has a roof. In the place that in 1994, 95, somewhere along there, I went over to the, for the first time to the Philippines. And that's how all these churches actually came to pass. I went over there for the first time and preached in his church, not knowing that I was going to preach. I actually was there to serve another minister, a well-seasoned minister. I was really green, didn't know what to do. You, you think I, didn't know, I don't know what to do now. I really didn't know what to do then. And I was just carrying the other guy's Bible. I'd never been out of the country, never experienced anything. And I was just excited to go. I was excited to carry his Bible. And, 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 and Pastor Alex felt sorry for me because I had nowhere to preach on that Sunday. He said, hey, come to my church and, and preach. And so I went there, and I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be great. And I show up. It's just a roof. It's just, it's just a roof. And, and under that was probably about 500 people, 600 people, and, and, and goats and sheep and dogs. And just it, it was just I had never seen anything. That, that was their church service. And so I'm preaching, and, and, and dogs are barking, and goats are coming, and it's just, just crazy. And... Uh, and uh, he says, we're gathering our leaders into this place, this, this place, and we're discipling, and we're stirring up the things. He said, the place, and this is what he said, this was the place where Pastor Randy preached to us the first time. And notable miracles happened that Sunday morning. Many, many got healed, including a totally blind woman with, whose eyes, whoo, whose eyes were opened. And I'm reading this email. No, please listen. And I'm reading this email of what happened in 1994, and I'm going, who is that guy? Who, who is that guy that went there in 1994 and believed for the impossible? Where did that guy go? Did he stop building the church? Did he get confused with the complacent church, the comfortable church, the religious church, the hour on Sunday church? Where is that guy? Because I can remember that was me. I can remember giving the altar call that Sunday after preaching probably the simplest message I've ever preached. And I just said, if you're sick, come forward. I, didn't, I couldn't believe my eyes because I'm thinking, God's never used me like this before. I've just let me lay hands on a headache where we don't really know if they got healed or not. And here they come to the altar and they have groves. They're holding groves as they come. Goiters hanging off their, their throats. 
and they're lined up, sick people, lame people. I started laying my hands on people. God is my witness. I seen goiters disappear in my hands. If you want to know why I preach with the conviction that I preach, because I know this stuff is real. And I'll never forget the lady that he's talking about. I laid my hands on her and she fell like lightning and started screaming and it scared the life out of me. I'm thinking I just killed this woman. I'm almost done. I got so scared, I moved to my right as quick as I could, and she's screaming, and I thought she was demon-possessed because we had a lot of that there, too. She's screaming, and I said, Pastor Alex, what's going on over there? She says, that woman just got new eyes. She's never been able to see. And I'm reading this, and I'm going, where did that guy go? And I'm asking some of you today, remember when you got saved? Remember you got born again? Remember when you read the Bible for the first time? You say, hey, I believe this. Where did that person go that believed in a God that could stop hell in their life? sent me another email a few days later and he said this Pastor Randy thank you for the timely video call of prayer over my life this is Pastor Alex the pastor that oversees these 50 churches he says that was my first time to experience a serious sickness and my first significant healing and miracle that I've ever had a couple months ago, Pastor Alex had COVID. They didn't expect him to make it. His kids reached out and said, Pastor Randy, would you call and would you pray? And I'll never forget, I was at a dinner and they were calling and I walked outside and I got in my truck with my, my phone, FaceTime, and I looked into that phone to a man who was on his deathbed. It looked horrible and I started to pray the prayer of faith. And you know what happened? His eyes started fluttering. They didn't expect him to live. And you know what happened? Through that phone, the church was being the church once again and stopping hell. And it just stirred me back up to say, hey, we're still going to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that still stops the hell. Come on, somebody shout. Somebody praise. And he got out of that hospital, and he's alive and well and leading all 50-plus churches. And now he's gathering all those pastors and all those leaders and saying, hey, we believe in a God that can stop hell in our lives. Somebody shout. Somebody praise him. Come on. Pablo, I want you to hit, hit it hard with me, okay, man? Lift your, lift, lift your hands all over this building because I believe God wants to do miracles here. wonders and miracles, miracles, signs and wonders and miracles, and miracles. We believe in signs and wonders and miracles. 
when your glory fills the room, Jesus. Oh, when your glory fills the room. Oh, oh, oh. I want to go back. I want to. I want to change that. Guys, can you put? I almost want to apologize, but I'm not going to apologize. Because I believe what's happening in this moment may not fit within your boundaries of what you're looking for church to be. But I'm here to tell you for celebration, this is our marching orders. Come on, we're, we're, we're moving forward. We're going to see incredible things happen in your home and in your family and in your life and in your business. One of the great preachers of old. I'm going to put that quote up there. A.W. Tozer, if you could put that quote up. Here's what he said. He said, a scared world needs a fearless church. Our world, our world, leave it up there. Our world has never been more scared. And what it's looking for is not a scared church. It needs the church to be the church that stops the hell in its community. Come on. I'm sorry. That's the one I want to sing. I'm sorry, okay? Can we do that? Come on, just one more moment. Lift your hands all over this place. I want to declare healing in this place online. I'm caught up. Oh, I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy moment yeah, That's the part I want you to get I believe it's a holy moment right now I never want to leave well, Just open your heart, open your hands Come on, let's worship, let's be the church Oh, I'm not ever blessed Come on, that lunch will wait That appointment will wait Jesus, you don't owe God, I speak healing into this place today. I speak healing into physical bodies today. I come against sickness and disease. I take authority over pain. I come against blood disease, heart problems, back problems, migraine headaches. I command ears to be open. I command eyes to be healed. Father, I speak physical healing into bodies today. Those in this room and those watching me online, I declare that by the stripes of Jesus, every one of us receives healing now. Healing in that back. That kneecap, that right kneecap right now. Right where you're at, you're not able to stand. That right kneecap, I declare, is whole, is healed. Right now, I declare the healing of God by the stripes of Jesus. The children's bread is coming into your physical body and healing that kneecap right now. Father, I thank you that every manner of sickness, every manner of disease, I speak the life of God and the miracles of God and the healing of God into their bodies, that every one of them, God, leaves this place completely made whole. I thank you that in the weeks and the days ahead that doctors will report on the good report of the healing of the Lord. I declare, Lord, I declare restoration to the losses. I declare more and more the increase. 
broken hearts today. I command depression. I command, command oppression to go. God, I pray for a fire and a hunger to come in the hearts of people once again. Just want you, nothing else. I pray for burning hearts that'll burn for Jesus once again. I declare burning hearts devoted, committed to what Jesus is doing upon the earth. I declare over your heart you'll burn for Jesus like you've never burned for, for him before. Father, I thank you for mighty miracles in this place. Those online. Father, that person that's suicidal today, I declare the peace of God into their hearts. I take authority over that weapon of hell, and I declare you will not kill yourself, but you're going to, you're going to experience right now baptized in the purpose of what God has for you. Father, I thank you in that individuals like that, that, that boy, Lord, that, that young man. God, I thank you that he's fearfully and wonderfully made with purpose. I come against that seducing lie. I come against that loneliness. I come against the lie that says he doesn't matter. I declare that you do matter and that God's got a purpose for you and God's got an assignment for you and you are here to live another day. I declare, Father, that that lie is broken and that weapon is destroyed. I speak life into that situation. In Jesus' name, God, for the homes and the marriages and the kids. God, our children that aren't serving you. God, our children that are bound by addictions, God, set them free. Set them free, Lord. Deliver your people today, Father. Heal your people today, Lord. May we become the church, powerful church church that stops the hell in our lives. Lord, I thank you that we're becoming the church that this fearless world needs. In Jesus' name, amen. Just keep playing that. If you're here today, your right wrist, somebody with your right, I'm just going there. Your right wrist, I declare healing in your right wrist. That pain has to go now in Jesus' name. I command it be made whole. I declare perfect eyesight. Perfect eyesight. I declare it so. Don't you ever quit. Don't you ever give up on it. I declare perfect eyesight in the name of Jesus. Be I spoke this last week. I, de I declare open wounds. Barrenness be gone. I declare those desiring children will have children. In Jesus' name. More and more. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to conclude today and end with the very thing I started. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? I'm going to give you an opportunity to make your confession and your declaration. The Bible says all that call upon the name of the Lord, all that put their trust in Jesus shall be saved, called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. If you're here today or on the other side of this camera, you've never made that commitment, or 
or you at one time did, but you're just far from God and you want to rededicate your life, I'm going to invite you into this moment to pray this prayer right now. Don't just repeat it, but pray with all your guts and all your faith and all your belief. Would you pray this prayer? In fact, I feel checked right now. If that's you, nobody looking around. If that's you, 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 you're praying this prayer. You want to receive Jesus or you want to rededicate your life. Just lift your hand up high. I want to just see the hands. Just to see. And hold it up. Just hold it up before God. Just hold it up. Hands all looking. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Say, say. You can, be, you can put your hands down. Say this prayer. Say, Father God, today I surrender my life. I declare that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is the Son of God. And today, I put my trust in him. I believe he died on that cross for me. He was raised from the dead for me. And today, with your help, Father, with your help, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to serve you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen, amen. Come on, Thomas, sing it, sing it, Thomas. We're about ready to close. Just one more time. Come on, one more time. Give thanks. Come on, let's just give thanks. We worship you, Lord. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We worship you. Complacency will not live within your people. Lukewarmness will not live within your people. But God with burning hearts will serve you. Will live for you. I hear God saying, I'm healing somebody of is it Crohn's disease? Is that correct? Is that correct? God's healing your body and you go home today and you send us an email. We'll read emails next week. I know God is doing it. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else. Sing it. Sing, sing that. That's that's a part of what you Nothing else. And nothing else. Your job can't satisfy. Nothing else. That lunch you're getting ready to run and eat. Nothing you're going to have to have another one. Huh? That house, is you're always going to have to have a bigger one. Huh? Come on, that wife can't Nothing satisfy you. That husband can't satisfy you. Having all those kids Nothing will never satisfy you. Come on, we're chasing stuff that will never satisfy. But he's right here. He's right here in this moment. And he's the one that satisfies. Come on, declare it. Come on, declare it, church. Nothing else will do.
I end, I end, I end with a statement. How do you say hell no to hell? Be the real church. We have one more, one more part of this whole series. It'll be a little bit more packaged for all of you that you're uncomfortable with this. But we're going to tell you there's four things that God wants to do with the church. There's four specific things that God wants to do in your life concerning the church. It's absolutely awesome. You will not want to miss what we're going to talk about next week. Amen. We're going to go back and sing this online. We love you. We're going to send you out to the lobby. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.